0: Good day, wonderful podcast family. What a privilege and honor to be back with you again. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing amazing, and I'm sending my prayers your way, wishing you, your family, and everybody you love all the best. We've got an amazing episode of the show for you today. We have Dr. Stuart Lichtman on, and we are talking about how to make your life a 10. So, we talk about his near death experience where he met God at a young age, what would make your life a 10, Parkinson's Law, what what cybernetic transposition is, the base reframing technique, um, why wealth is not currency but life experience, using your success team to accomplish your goals, and so much more. Uh, Dr. Stuart Lichtman has a... Wealth of experience, and he's been in the personal development field for decades. I will warn you, however, his delivery is a little bit slow, so you'll need some patience to get through this one. But it is a fantastic episode. I hope that you enjoy it. And if you do, please share it far and wide with your friends. Um, consider leaving a review on iTunes and help us get the word out there. For those of you guys who want to work one on one with me and you want some help with defining and getting clarity on your life purpose, your life path, to be able to create the life of your dreams in a holistic fashion, mind, body, spirit, health, finances, relationships, livelihood, and everything in between. If you want some help with that, just hit me up matt at zenathlete.com. I have had a couple people say that they filled out the coaching form and didn't go through. So hit me up matt at zenathlete.com and you will get a free consultation. Or if you have a team and you want me to do some training and you want a consultation and you want to know the things that I work on, um, just let me know. But it's everything with peak performance, mindfulness. Mindset, Mental Power, Mental Strength, um, and Positive Living. So if any of that is something that you're interested in, just reach out. Again, Matt at zenathlete.com is a little bit more reliable than uh, the coaching forum, sadly. I'm not sure what's going on with that, hackers or something. Um, But that's it. Uh, As always, the best way to support the show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world. So let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive into the show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, presence, contentment, faith, courage, optimism, and get ready to enjoy this amazing episode with Dr. Stuart Lichtman. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is an executive, entrepreneur, inventor, researcher, consultant, trainer, and coach. He is the developer of the Cybernetic Transposition and Shared Vision Leadership Systems. He has trained more than 100,000 people around the world, including heads of state, Fortune 500 CEOs, and more. He is the author of several books, including his newest, Make Your Life a 10. Welcome to the show, Dr. Stuart Lichtman. Hi Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited for us to dive in because we uh, met. I know a little bit about your work and it is so deep. There's so many different ways that we could go, but I just love for you to introduce yourself to the audience, let them know about uh, some of your work and life experiences, and then we'll we'll dive into the amazing book that you wrote.
1: I'm really happy that your program addresses the spiritual side of things as well. So I might as well start there. When I was about 28, which was about 50 odd years ago, 54 years ago, uh, I had near-death experience. I was clinically dead for eight minutes, which people tell me you shouldn't survive. And I, PET scans had black spots all over and, and they
0: dire comments.
1: Um, I met God, which was, You can't use words to describe it so inadequate, but um, it was filled with loving joy. And there was a real temptation to stay there. I was given the choice of staying there or coming back to do what I had karmically chosen to do this lifetime, and I decided to come back. What I'd chosen to do this lifetime was two
2: things. Number one, teach people to transcend the worldly
1: Luciferian junk that we live in all the time
2: and to help the species survive what we're now encountering. Uh, I have perfected the first
1: and that's described in my book, Make Your Life a Ten, early out. It pretty well describes exactly what it teaches people to do, which is to achieve those seemingly impossible things that they need to achieve in order to make their life a paradise, a paradise on Earth. Now what can I say, in the last 10 years of my online coaching program where I can get really good statistics, I have a 31-question questionnaire from which I get those. Um, 100%, literally, of the students who do at least most of the assigned work achieve their first seemingly impossible objective. So. Things like finding a perfect partner, making a lot of money, losing weight, whatever is important to them that they think is a missing link. And I have a process that creates a roadmap
0: to making their life attend. So
1: um, that interested at all.
0: Yeah, well, I I love that. And we discussed a little bit at the beginning where, and I'd love for you to speak about it here, where you have the near-death experience, you meet God, and then you get this download, and then you start writing. And this is the process that you teach in the book. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, this is some 42 years on. Um, Actually, I got the download, and being an entrepreneur at heart, I put together a training the next month for 250 people. First trial was not so good, only 67% achieved the seemingly impossible objective. But I tuned it up over the years and stayed
2: in 100% for the past 10. Um, I'd like your audience to just think what it would take
1: in their life for it to be really a 10. Now, given our society, the first thing that a lot of people
2: say is lots of money. That ain't it. Um, What would the money give you that would make your life perfect? Um, So you might say, gee, I'd like to have a
1: perfect partner. Let me tell you about mine. Um, I developed the process in Sweden 35 years ago. My one of my wife's Swedish ex-wife's friends kept getting these bad relationships where she was very smart, and the guys were intimidated by her, and they would end up psychologically abusing her. And it was the same, you know, she getting get a new one, it was the same person in a different face. So I said to her, Katrina, I'm gonna help you. So I developed this process, and two weeks later, she met a guy who well, wouldn't meet him. She'd been working with him for seven years. And never thought of him as as a partner material. Um, They've now been married since then. They have kids, they built a house together, they have an idyllic life. I use that to find my wife. Uh, The first step in that, which might be of use to your
2: audience, make a list of the characteristics of someone,
1: each someone in your life at any point, in any context, that you'd like to have in your perfect partner. Might have been somebody when you were a kid or it might be somebody right now. Not necessarily somebody you had a relationship with. Maybe it was a boss or maybe it was a teacher. But The key is to hone in on the examples of what you'd really like in a perfect partner. I ended up with 32 and I kind of chuckle. One is pretty obvious for me, which is he had to be a successful entrepreneur. Another, you remember the movie Mary Poppins?
0: Did you ever see that? (laughs) When I was younger, yeah.
1: remember she has a special ruler that uh, she measures herself with and her height is practically perfect in every way. That was one of my characteristics, practically perfect in every way. And in fact, my wife is. And we've been together for 17 years. And can you believe that every day
2: gets better? It's just... Wonderful. Um, So that's one of the things specifically I teach. Another one is
1: people, surveys show people are exhausted. They prefer working at home because they can work in a way that puts less stress on them. Um, I can empathize with that. I've done that. I've run companies from home,
2: almost a 100 of them, um, for venture capitalists and otherwise. I like it a whole lot better. Now, I have a technique that
1: empowers them to accomplish their work in half the time with better results. That'd be pretty good, huh?
0: Yeah, you're going to have to tell us that one. (laughs) Okay,
1: it's really pretty simple.
2: Um, Our unconscious runs everything, our unconscious mind. Uh,
1: The conscious mind is able to handle maybe three things at once. I think there are a few people in the world who can count on one hand. Who can handle four or five things at once? Let me give you an example. Look at the corner of your room. Okay. And you see length, width, and height.
2: You can comprehend those three dimensions at once, right? Now try to experience in the same way your room at midnight, and at 7 in the morning, not
1: flip-flop, flip-flop, but concurrently, the way you can see all points
2: on the line. I have yet to meet anybody who can do that, and that's only four dimensions. Now,
1: If you look at the world from a cybernetic point of view, any situation has millions of alternatives embodied in it. Millions versus three or four. Obviously, the conscious mind can't comprehend the world. The unconscious, on the other hand, which uses a brain, which consists of 200 billion, analog of digital computers connected by approximately 7 trillion interconnections is ideally suited to the world. And in fact, the way we use it the unconscious conscious is a part of us that doesn't use it. We create unconscious habit patterns. Let me give you an example. Ever watched a kid learn to read? Or do you remember when you learned to read? Yeah, it is probably more magnificent achievement than anything else you'll ever do in your life.
2: I mean, first they have to learn that certain sounds are meaningful, as opposed
1: to other unmeaningful sounds. Then they have to learn what those meaningful sounds. Are associated with
2: people, action, uh, things, and so forth. Then they have to learn to pronounce them properly. Then they have to learn that certain squiggles on paper are have
1: meaning, and that those are called letters, and that each letter has a sound associated with or several sounds. <clears throat> and then they have to learn that some groups of these squiggles match the
2: words that they have verbally learned. At that point, they're at the first stage in reading. Now that
1: took about three or four years to get to. Amazing. So, now you look at a book and you look at it and you know what it says. Because in all of these steps, you created a series of discrete unconscious habit patterns that
2: do the decoding and tell your conscious mind what it's about. Um,
1: um most people don't remember learning to read, but I'll bet you can remember learning
2: to drive a car. Now, when I learned to drive a car, um, at those days, um,
1: you had to have parent go down to the agency as i living in Washington, D.C., and certify that you were
2: 16 years old. And I got a learner's permit. And my father, we went
1: out to the car. My father opened the passenger seat and said, you
2: drive. I was scared, witless. Every little action was unfamiliar.
1: Every little movement was turned with. How much pressure do you apply to the brake to stop smoothly? How do you take a turn? What's the appropriate clipping point as I when You know, the point where the car is closest to the curb. I used to race sports cars. not to term for that. And you have to learn all these things. And it takes immense concentration. I was smoked, just soaked with sweat. By got time we got home, Luckily I didn't have anything. Now
2: I drive
1: now and basically it's automatic. And i bet it is for you too. You think what happened in the day and so forth. What's different? What's different is that you created unconscious habit then to do each involved in driving. Now, this is a long winded way of getting to how
2: you complete your work in half the time. Um, we never forget these unconscious habit patterns.
1: You know, they say once you've learned to ride a bicycle, you'll never forget. We don't forget these unconscious habit patterns,
2: even though some of them are widely out-of-date and useless, um, they still are taking your unconscious time.
1: So when you try to estimate how long it takes you, how long it will take you to do something, you probably really miss the mark. Most people do they underestimate the time it takes because the unconscious is estimating how long it would take if you didn't have all of these time-wasted habits going
2: on. And then you miss that estimate because they are going on.
1: I used to run a lot of companies and I would have tech companies, and I had people give me estimates of how long a project would take, and they were always off. But I did something that was, it might be useful to anybody who runs something. I kept a lot of their estimated completion time versus the actual completion time, the duration. And I found that any person had a consistent error. A very common error would be about 1.35. You take their estimated time, multiply by 1.35, and you have a good estimate. So I got venture capitalists used to be my client, a lot of my clients, and they would say, Stu, how do you possibly... He had good estimates when nobody else with these startup ventures can do it. And I would tell them. And that was the way.
2: What I did was to simply compensate for the amount of time they wasted. Now, I was doing a project for the Swedish government and the Minister of Education had an assistant who was being worn
1: down to nothing. He was working seven days a week, an average of 10 hours a day. During the week, it'd be more like 13. And I said, you know, you're gonna burn out. You gotta do something better. And he said, you know what, I'll do it. So I invented this process. It involves Going into the unconscious, finding the habit patterns that are stealing your time and changing them to habit
2: patterns that are productive. And so not only do you save the time, but you
1: become much more productive on top of that. And with my students about half the time is better results than the usual. Make sense?
0: Yeah. So if I'm understanding it correctly, what you're going to do is you're going to take a minute, go into the subconscious mind and basically find all your time wasters. And then with that, you're going to flip it from time wasting into something that's very productive. Um, so I'd love for you to tell me if that's correct, but I also wanted to mention the one thing that came up for me when you are speaking about that is Parkinson's law, which basically says that the task is going to take as long as you think it's going to take. So if you think it's going to take 10 days um, and you and you set that as a deadline, and I don't know if I'm butchering Parkinson's law, so <laughs> go look it up for yourself. But, um, you know, it'll take 10 days or more. But if you say, I'm going to get this done in five days, then you have a better chance of actually getting it done for five days. And if you give it like nine years, right, or no time in it at all, it's just going to kind of keep going and going. So it's important for you to actually set a deadline and commit to hitting it. And that's going to allow you to get your work done a lot quicker.
1: Yeah, in fact, that is one of the essential characteristics of my system. You have to, you know, Here's what most people do. You ever seen one of these kid things where there's a donkey and the person riding it is only a carrot on a string in front of the donkey? Yeah. Donkey's never gonna reach it, right? (laughs) But if you were to plant that hole in the ground, the donkey would be successful in reaching it. Most of us are the first. And one of the characteristics of what I teach is having very specific objectives that are time-based and otherwise explicitly measurable so you know where you are. So, yeah, it's that that you um, just mentioned, right on track.
0: Yeah. And I can see a lot of your work, it it really delves into the subconscious <clears throat> mind. And so I, I kind of want to go a few different directions with this, but I'd love for you to start with what the definition of cybernetic transposition is. And then... Uh, your book, there's a lot to cover. I'm just curious if you can start to lay out that framework because each, each thing in your book and you can go check it out. Every chapter has a practical application. And that's what I was sharing with you at the beginning where there's a practical application. There's a, there's a formula that you can implement and understand. And then you can look at if you're getting those results or not, and then you can, you know, modify your uh, process or just at least Take a look and see where you're where you're going wrong or where you're not applying it. So I'd love for you to touch on that. Sure.
1: Um, you covered a lot of territory, and I don't remember the first point you made. Would you repeat it? Uh,
0: the first part was uh, the cybernetic transposition. if okay, so yeah. you can define that for us. Uh, when
1: I was at MIT, um, I used to see Norbert Wiener, the inventor of cybernetics wandering the halls. He was a prototypical absent-minded professor, and he had thick glasses. But if you look closely, you could see him looking at the pretty girls going by like that. <laughs> he lost his car once a month, a week, rather. He kept going to police, saying it was stolen, it was stolen, and he would just forgotten where he parked it. Um. He came up with cybernetics, which is a way of dealing with the complexity of the world, of modeling it from a technical point of view. And I'm not going to try to go into that. But what I stole from him was the name of one of his books, which is The Human Use of Human Beings, which pretty well describes
2: what I'm involved in. Now, transposition is this. Um
1: I decided at the age of 83 to learn to play golf. I'm no good at, I've never been good at sports at all. And my instructor, who's a really good guy, kept saying, well, you do it the way you do it in baseball. Airplay-based baseball? Was, nope. And he, and he kept coming up with analogies. You could take this and that. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have those at hand. So then he showed me videos, slowed down of people doing what he was talking about. And I could then feel it and grasp it and so on. Now, I'm not saying I'm any kind of a decent cop player, but uh, at least I learned something. Transposition means taking a success in one part of your life and transposing it to creating a success in another part of your life. And for example, what he was trying to do was take a success playing baseball and transpose it to a certain aspect of
2: hitting a golf ball. Now, in my system, I have what I call a success team. Let me see, what's the best way to describe it? When I was at MIT,
1: the most I could afford as a car card, was an old, clapped-out VW bug. Remember, it was, I don't know if you're old enough to remember the with the little you know, oval rear windows.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> I had one of those. The classic bug, didn't, yeah. Didn't have a heater. Didn't work. So I know it's called Cambridge Days. It was pretty unpleasant. But what was more unpleasant was that my parents lived in Washington, D.C., and this is before the interstate highways. So there are a lot of big grades and big descents in the road. And the only way my little VW could keep up any speed would be I would floored at the top of the hill and hold my foot on the floor until I ran out of energy. If I had slowed down, I had to pull over into the side and go up in first gear because I didn't have enough power. Well, <clears throat> most people, a lot of people at least, don't have enough what I call success
2: power. That means, in my terminology, They don't have enough power to
1: transcend self-defeating unconscious habit patterns without resolving them. Now, I have great techniques for resolving them. But you take a movie like The Secret, my friend Joe Vitale and people like that. They have a great deal of success power. And they think about something they want and just happen. Otherwise known as they're lucky because lucky luck is unconsciously generating success. So I said, good. So what we need to do is develop a technique to be unconsciously successful to a much greater extent. And I developed this technique of building what I call a success team. You take your seven, greatest successes from anywhere in your life. Now, got to be careful about this. It's what is for you your greatest successes, not what somebody else would say are your greatest successes. So for me, for example, I have over here on my left a whole lot of potted plants. And for a long time, I was the kiss of death on plants. No matter what I did, they die. Now these plants have been with me for years and years. That's one of my great
2: successes. Finding my wife, Gloria, is one of my great successes. And um, I wrote, I heard uh, from a friend in England that Margaret
1: Thatcher, when she was prime minister, just given a speech in the House of Commons saying, we need to do something about the British economy. It's lacking. I wrote a page and a half letter, and uh, two weeks later, I had a uh, half-million-dollar contract, which uh, resulted in some more spectacular results. But those were some of my great successes, They're great successes from my perspective. So you take your seven greatest successes. Then you take your seven greatest failures, the ones you don't even want to think about. You cringe when you think about them. And using a technique I call the base reframing or another technique I call subpersonal negotiation, you change that failure into an unconscious habit pattern that creates the opposite, a
2: great success. So somebody might have, I had a client who had a smoking habit that he knew was bad for him, but
1: more than that, it irritated his lungs and his coughing, and he hated that that was a self-defeating unconscious habit That You know, he'd get uptight, he'd grab a cigarette and light it. So we changed that to when he got uptight, he just walked over, got a cup of coffee and a donut, which his employer
2: kept around. And lo and behold, no more smoking and uh, a very much happier guy. Now, um, so
1: you can take your great failures and turn them into great successes because if you think about it, in order to create a great failure,
2: you have to know the opposite of that. What's a great success? Otherwise, you couldn't create the opposite.
1: Does that make sense?
0: Yep. yeah, absolutely.
1: So that, since the subpersonality, part of the unconscious, already knows the opposite, it's easy to switch them to the opposite great success in a situation where previously they create the great failure. So you take the seven subpersonality of success, you take the seven reprogram success of personnel, put them together into a team and then um, here's one that I have as an exercise for my students. I say to them, pick a place that you're going where it's really difficult to find a parking space. Then imagine somebody pulling out just so you can get there and
2: you Leaving you a perfect parking space and just give that to your success team and say, please create this. You know what? They get
1: anywhere from 95 to 100% success rate. Nobody lower than
2: 95. And um, you can do things like that. And that is an empowerment
1: with a success team. And then, if you use your success team as part of achieving an objective, like um, one or before what were we now, one or before June 15, 2023, I will have done whatever is necessary and appropriate with the support. All well, in fact, it's a part of my success team to have generated an extra $53,500 as evidenced
2: by the balance in my checking account. I would do that in ways that are for the highest good of
1: me and of all concerned. And that is an actual objective
2: that I've set, that other people have set, Energy. you want an extra (laughs) 53.5?
0: Sure. Yeah, I'd take that any day.
1: Yeah. Well, (laughs) you've got the tools. Read the book and follow it. I mean, literally, it goes one, two, three, four, five. The steps, do them, and you'll event. Now, it's important when you set an objective with my technique that you absolutely don't put in how you're going to achieve it. Because when you put the how in there, you have so limited the number of alternatives to only what you can consciously think of that it makes it much much more difficult to achieve.
2: So, yeah,
0: and when you were when you're sharing that technique, it's interesting because I've only heard of uh, one technique that's very similar. Uh, The person that shared it called it the blink technique, and they framed what you're sharing a little bit differently. They basically were saying that when you have these negative experiences, especially traumatic experiences, it's a charge in the body, a very negative charge. And for you to heal that or at least neutralize, you can put on top the energy needed to overcome that. So let's say you had a really traumatic experience and what you need is uh, uh, love, compassion, or care, or to feel security. You find memories in your life where you had that, and then you merge the two memories to kind of neutralize the negative charge. And you could also build it up for positive charges. And so one of the interesting ways that he shared was for public speaking, because a lot, most you just use as an example, because a lot of people are very afraid of public speaking, is to think about all the qualities and characteristics that you would need to deliver a phenomenal public speech. And then we went through them one by one and then found the energies and experiences in our life that we had that would have those qualities and then imagine us speaking. And it was interesting to kind of dive into the memory system, into the subconscious mind and bring up the energies, bring up the tools that we already had to apply it to a specific scenario. So it's not the exact same, but it's the only technique I've ever heard that was close to that. That was the only person I've ever heard share a technique like that. My
1: hat's off to him. Look, the... Genesis of my stuff is spirit. I mean, my job was to make it operational.
2: But I never thought about this stuff. And I think he has the same author, spirit.
1: And it is not unlikely. Um, there are some people I know have, who have tapped into that and who misused it and uh, i don't think i'll mention their names but they're very familiar
0: to you Um, well it's interesting that you say that because i can tell you for sure that's where this person got it from um his stuff was very fascinating and i would listen to it and i'd be like this is pretty crazy stuff and the way that he got it he said he got into a car accident and he kept having seizures and he said he got taken to this other realm and he's like all i was doing was taking the stuff that i was learning from this realm and this higher state and some and he he believes and many other people believe the pineal gland got activated similar to a near-death experience and you're going and you have this overwhelming unspeakable information right so the challenge to going to that space which i've been Uh, blessed to go to a couple of times is that how do you bring it back? It's just so it's a whole new language. You know, it's like a, you take a goldfish out and then you show them all of human language and everything is like here, goldfish, here's how to do this thing or, or like a squirrel or something. Here's how you, you know, start a car, how the car works to come back to squirrel consciousness and to articulate it. It's, you know, it was there and you know, it was true, but to bring it back down and as you said, make it functional, make it applicable is a huge challenge. Um, so uh, hats off to you for uh figuring that out so it's interesting that you're able to pick up on that and that ended up being true um I'd love for you to to share a little bit about uh the book because you go into a very simple process creating your wish list, formatting your objective um translating your ct, which is the those words that you use mm-hmm. I have to- and then um, you know, and then it kind of goes on uh, from there. So this is something very practical the audience could go through, right? And then apply to their own life. And I see what you're sharing here as a an advanced law of attraction that has application principles. One of the beefs I had with the law of attraction stuff was always, what do you want? You know what I mean? Everyone's on money in this, but they never got clear on what was important. And then it just stayed into the mental realm, right? I'm just going to visualize this as, as, and this is going to happen where you need more than that for it to actually come true. You know, you need to remove the limitations, like your limiting beliefs and self-doubts and self-sabotage. Um, but uh, very few people I know can just go and meditate it and it's going to come in. There needs to be this holistic balance of your being to, to create a profound result.
1: I agree. That's a nice statement of it. Yeah. Um, would you feel comfortable telling me the name of this other person you mentioned?
0: Yeah, Corey Herter.
1: Got to write that
0: down. And he's a he's a fascinating character too, because when I came across his work, he had six hundred YouTube videos, and he just deleted them about you know six months later. Then created another channel with hundreds of videos, deleted that one. So he. Interestingly, and, and when I'm doing coaching, I, I bring him up as an example because he has no problem reinventing himself because he knows exactly how the sequence of creation works. He's able to rebuild it from scratch every time and doesn't hold on to the creation that he did in the past. It's always an evolution and starts from scratch and creates a new evolution. And uh, he, did, I found him because I had another friend in Toronto that I met and uh, he had a uh, he got hit on a bike when he was a kid and he used Corey to help build his memory back because he lost all of his memory and these two specialized in finding people that it could help them rebuild their memory and that's where all of their work it, it expanded from that basic idea that they needed to have the memory back from this traumatic brain injury that they both experienced
1: that's that's an interesting perspective. I take a slightly different one. Um, I take what. I was given and keep improving it until I get the message from spirit. That's it, change gears, do something else. And so I write books and so forth. I wrote an early version of CT, Cybernity Transposition uh, in 2021. And I sold it for 97 bucks and was good as an entrepreneur, gave me 6 million bucks profit. Um, Then I said, okay, in teaching my trainees for so long, I can write a much better version of that book um, that will be much easier to follow and I'll also for a very low price so more
2: people can get it. And that's where you have, ta-da, I like the cover. <laughs> Make Your Life a 10. I have a um, <clears throat> fiber artist who did the cover for me. Um, so we're given this and some of us, Choose to use it for the upliftment of mankind, and some don't. Um, I prefer to associate with the former. Um, you, we were on a line before.
1: I'm sorry I't yeah
0: that. yeah no I agree with what you're saying and just what I was what I was sharing before is I like the practical application of the book and you and you outline simple steps So the wish list and it's interesting because you start with this basically a bucket list and so many people that I've talked to, whether it's friends, I meet people randomly in the world or I'm doing a coaching scenario, very few people have ever created a bucket list thought about what their life would look unimpeded, by their current limitations, whether it's money, time, whatever the case is. And so you need to entertain that thought and not just entertain it, but really contemplate on it so we can get past those material desires, right? It's like, oh, I want all this money. Well, if you had all the money and you got the nicest car and you're um, you know, flying in a private jet even, and that's all nice. But if you're doing it by yourself and you don't have quality relationships, you don't have the balance of other very important factors in your life, it's going to be all for nothing. It's what the money can do and give you that's the thing that you really want and so i think it's great that your formula starts with that inquiry and then you build off that to help people say hey what what would your life be out of 10 absolutely perfect and here are some building blocks to begin the process of creation and i think you've laid it out pretty well
1: thank you um yeah i've
2: known some very wealthy very unhappy people in my life um I had uh, a fellow that I tried to emulate
1: when I was a kid named Jerry Woolman. Jerry Woolman had come from a very poor, economically very poor background in Pennsylvania. He got married very young. He and his wife hitchhiked hiked to Washington, D.C. He was very good with his hands building things. So he could get work with builders. And he then became an entrepreneur builder and he built many thousands of garden apartments.
2: and then he bought he built the John Hancock building in Chicago. and he bought the Philadelphia Eagles and then, what was this example I went about to describe would have crushed most people.
1: He used the top architectural firm, architectural engineering firm, to work out the foundation of the John Hancock building.
2: And when it got up to the fifth story, they found that the caissons anchored to the bedrock had big gaps,
1: five, ten-foot gaps in them. And if he'd continued, the building
2: would have collapsed. And he, like many entrepreneurs, didn't have extra cash. He didn't
1: have the money to rebuild the building, so he sold it to John Hancock.
2: Now, that would have crushed a lot of people. In fact, that um, forced him to sell the
1: Eagles and a hockey team he had bought and so forth. That would have crushed people. Jerry had this really sunny disposition and... Somebody wrote a book about him. I think it was called The Wealthiest Man in the World. And it said, the wealth is not in money. It's in the experience of your
2: life. You had a wonderful wife, kids, et cetera. Um, It is interesting, the illusions that are perpetrated in the world uh, about power and money and so forth. Um,
1: I watched some editions of The Billionaire on television. I
2: couldn't take it anymore. It was too real. Um, And it showed some of the ethos. Then I look at Bill Gates taking his fortune from building Microsoft and doing good work, backing companies who invent ways to bring good
1: water to these far-flung little villages in Africa, um, inventing ways
2: to keep medications cold for 60 days Um, without any power. Those are the kind of people that I think are the models for the world I'd like to see. And anybody can be like that. You don't have to have lots of money. It's just shaping your personality to be what you want to be. Um, we can do lots of things that seem impossible. Let me give you an example. I guess it was now about almost six years ago. Uh, I had previously had a uh, ventricular fibrillation
1: heart attack. My father is a cardiologist. He called that sudden death heart attack. Uh, it manifested itself. I couldn't get breath like that for minutes. I uh, called the EMT. They quickly came, and for some reason, they couldn't find anything wrong. I pleaded with them, take me to the hospital. They ignored me. I was almost dead, I managed to climb up on the gurney. to take me to hospital, they did. And when I got
2: there, the resident in the emergency room looked at me, slapped an uh, oxygen mask on me and showed me my
1: EKG, you know, an electrocardiogram that goes like that. Mine was
2: equilateral triangle. Never seen anything like it. Uh-huh. Now, um, that was so stupid on the part of the EMTs
1: that it wasn't stupidity. It was karma. I'm firmly convinced and spiritual told the yeah, that was it. It was a test to see whether you were determined to stick around or not
2: because I could easily have died, chosen to die. Um, I had a very good
1: cardiologist in Santa Barbara where I was living then, and uh, he retired, unfortunately. Um, And I was lazy about getting a replacement, but I noticed climbing up the stairs to my bedroom was getting harder and harder. So, I was afraid it might be something with my heart. But I found a new cardiologist using my techniques, found a really good one. And um, he did an echocardiogram, which is kind of like a sonar look at the heart. And the technician said to me, This is really strange. I can't see the heart, there's so much fluid in the way. Zippo,
0: the um,
1: cardiologist, got me to a pulmonologist, a chest man, and he stuck a needle into my back,
2: into my lung, and pulled out a water glass of fluid. And I immediately felt a lot better. He
1: said, glad you feel better, but we got to get you in the hospital because this looks like it might be cancer." So I spent the next three days going through an operation, I forget called where they both do a biopsy and drain the fluid. And indeed,
2: I have stage four lung cancer. Um, I created, that is, I used my technique to bring in my life a really great oncologist who, um, walked in third day in the hospital and said to me, Stu,
1: you got stage four lung cancer. I'm your oncologist if you want. I said to him, after checking with my success team, I said, that's great. You can be a member of my team as long as we agree I'm in charge. And I will do things that probably seem nutty to you Will you go along with them?
2: Says, as long as they're not distracted? Yeah, for sure. That was my first test. My second test was,
1: um, his name was David Hoffman. I said, may I call you
2: David? He said, sure. See, that test, there are a lot of doctors who I've been behind the
1: title doctor. And when you ask them that question, they blanch. So, if the guy has enough confidence for me to call him David, good. That's best number two. Anyway, I was going through, fusion therapy, chemotherapy, heavy-duty chemotherapy, um, and looking at other alternatives. When um Spirit said, I am, and I'm paraphrasing, I am Stu, you teach people to do impossible things. Check your own resources. At that instant, I remembered something my spiritual teacher told me 30 years before. And he said, there is a part of the body that cont- builds and controls the body. When the egg and sperm meet and make a new cell, have you ever thought of what mechanism
2: determines whether to be an eye cell or a toenail cell? I said, No. He said, Well, it's what I call the basic cell. And it builds the body and then has a responsibility for it. Check with your basics. I remember that. So I did. And I said to them, I have male and a female, and I said, to them, how do I heal this cancer? Can you do it? And they said, sure, no problem. And uh, so
1: they told me, number one, remember when you read this book by the Simon Tunes
2: 40 years ago about healing cancer? They said that um, all cancers have an underlying brief type of experience that's unresolved. And they said,
1: they had said it within the past six to 18 months. Well, what my basic said, forget the six to 18 months. You've got to go back through your whole life and find All the people where you have residual negativity of experiences and use your techniques to turn those into positive understanding, empathy with the people, and loving joy. And I did that. Then they said, um, you have to talk with us every day, and we'll give you day-to-day instructions.
2: I said, anything else? They said, yeah, uh, you want to talk to a woman named um, Alicia Hayes, who works with the archangels. There's a healing archangel.
1: Pull that into the mix, so I did. Its name is
2: And the effect of doing these three things is that going from having a tumor taking up 45% of my left lung to having absolutely no tumor, took four weeks. Wow. And my oncologist who is a really
1: top guy professor of oncology and so on, said, wow, that's amazing. He said, with your type of uh, cancer, It's very unusual, almost non-existent to
2: get this kind of spontaneous remission. And I just smiled, because it wasn't spontaneous remission. We can do things like that. Um, And I keep
1: getting these karmic challenges, and with karmic challenges, I get, when I recover, in the process, I get The type of insight that you were talking about,
2: uh, Corey got when he had these things. Um, I uh, so I've had six chances to die this lifetime. I mean,
1: two of them I was on the other side, and uh, this last one I got my job is to come up with an implementation of a way to save the world.
2: We're heading toward under but I'm not ready to talk talk about that. Um, I think that God gave us such a spectacular array of abilities and resources that I've tried to put into my little book here, if you follow step
1: one, two, three, four, exactly where I described, uh, you're getting not only the original source material, but what I've determined about the application of it with 100,000 other people. Um, it works. And it works to the extent you can read the book and do it. And with the book, I give them also, the buyers, also an audio book version because I know if they listen to the audio book while reading,
2: the rate of learning will be much higher. Um, They get... um, 14 applications specific
1: of the basic techniques like doing your work in half the time with better results and so on. Find your perfect partner, find your
2: perfect job. Um, The idea is that here's something that doesn't cost much.
1: I'm giving away hundreds of dollars worth of stuff with it. All you have to do is, sign up and it come right to you in digital form. And
2: hopefully I'm on the track of helping a lot of people live a paradise on earth. Well,
0: that's amazing and it's a very exciting proposition. It's fascinating because some of the techniques that you're sharing, I've only heard a couple of times in all of my years of personal development and self-help work and going into everything from personal development uh, into the weird esoteric. And so there's definitely something to it. I appreciate you coming on the show and bringing back this knowledge and sharing it with so many different people. Your book in the way that it's laid out is very action and detail oriented, which I love. So you can go, um, you know, go through the steps, try it. If it doesn't work, doesn't work. But what if it does work? You know what I mean? And what do you need to do to refine it? So um, you can go and apply the material and and get a result. And that's what I really like about it is it's, it's practical and you can go do something about it. Now. It's not just mystical thinking, uh, which is nice too, but you know, it's, it's not as practical as I like. Um, Is there anything else that you wish that we had talked about or we talked about, or you'd like to leave the listeners with before we close the show?
2: I want to thank you for doing this. Um, There are lots
1: of things that I've come up with and other people have come up with
2: that allow people to transcend the negativity of the world. I call it Lucifer. And, And if you don't get it out there, they don't have a chance of
1: using it. So my take is you're committed to getting it out there. And I really appreciate you for that.
0: Well, thank you. Yep, I'm definitely committed to doing the my best to get out uh, good information that can help people improve the quality of their lives, improve their connection with God, and then ultimately their family, their friends, and, and empower the world. Where can people find you? Where they can get the book, and they want to stay in touch with their work, with your work. Where do they go?
1: Okay, they can get the book on Amazon. Just um, make your life a ten is the easiest way to find it. If they want to find out more about me, they can go to www.stuartlickman.com. It's all lowercase, no spaces, and If there are are contact email addresses, you can contact me that way. Indirectly, you can reach me through social media. But I say indirectly because I'm not a social media type. So I have a woman (laughs) who handles social media for me. I do uh, uh, look at messages on LinkedIn and um, so occasionally I get one that's interesting and I probably answer about 10% of them because most of them are trying to sell me something that I don't want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, the way it goes.
1: Yeah, so I'm quite easily reachable and uh, I hope that when i publish my next book you let me come back and join you
0: yeah well that one sounds very fascinating as well i know you didn't want to touch on it today but it's a very fascinating uh, title and topic so thanks so much for coming on the show i appreciate you and thanks everybody for listening thank you my pleasure see you in the next one There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely incredible Dr. Stuart Lichtman. I hope that you enjoyed that episode, that you found some practical insights. I loved his cybernetic transposition and the success team. It's something that I learned years ago. And it's interesting because um, you see these simple tools that can be incredibly powerful, but they need to be used and they are in the mental realm. So that's something that I used with a lot of my athletes, something very similar. And it's actually something that I use in my coaching as well. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, if you want to reach out and you want to work with me, just hit me up, Matt at ZenAthlete.com. I'd love to hear with you. If you're wanting to leave a legacy, live your life purpose, you know, create a dream life that you has balance in health, wellness, happiness, and relationships, hit me up, Matt at ZenAthlete.com. I'd love to hear from you. So that's it. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, enthusiasm, faith, courage, optimism, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.